is basically going to consist of, we're just going to dig in scripture. Um, I woke up this morning and my first thought was, oh shoot, my wood splitter got wet because I forgot to put it in. But the rain washed the ground again and waters the land, nourishes. And my prayer is, my, my, that was like a millisecond. My next, my prayer for the day was that as we dig into God's word, it would wash us. And that's really what washes our minds. Um, and I know we've been, a lot of us have been uh, like saturated. We've been sitting in a tub of Bible verses and we're, we're wrinkly with verses from, from little up. But there's always... Um, new things that we can apply and new things that can change us. So my other prayer for today is that there would be one step closer in each of our lives taken towards Christ um, through God's Word. So let's practice stilling our minds. Um, Satan tries to get us in bubbles. There's a million different bubbles you can be in. You can be in like... uh, um, an air buds bubble you can be in a work bubble where it's just you and whatever whatever's there you can be on your fantasy football bubble um, don't stay on that too long because fantasy is one of Satan's biggest tricks for us but um, to still our minds you have to still it you have to make space for it and don't let anyone tell you that they're in control of your mind because God gave each of you a mind and especially Satan wants to say, hey, you know, let me take a piece of it. Give me a corner. Let me just set up a tent right here. That's all I need. Well, that, that can destroy us, can turn us into a rotten apple. So I think what we will do next is um, take maybe a minute and just get in, get in a small Jesus bubble. Close your eyes if you want to. And I would um, just ask you to do two things. First of all, thank the Lord for something. And then... And then just um, ask the Lord a question. And I don't know why um, I'm getting emotional, but enjoy your time. <coughs> Excuse me. Enjoy your time with the Lord. Thank Him for something and just ask Him a question. Lord, thank you for hearing us today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to open with three passages. 
And this is what we did not get into the last time. Um, we kind of had a mini science lesson when we talked about your brain on Christ. And then there's a couple passages we're going to dig into because um, as I was thinking through the songs this morning, I, I appreciated the progression. Um, a lot of songs about the blood. And that, that was what the Old Testament depended on. They depended on the lambs. And that was, how, that was their way to get to God. Only through the blood of an unblemished lamb. But then it progressed, the songs progressed through to singing about, um, then sings my soul, um, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. And, and we sing that with, with brokenness. We sing that with um, things in the back of our mind that's thinking like there's, there's my friend or me or someone I know um, doesn't feel that God is so great right now. And, and so I longed for the time of when we can come before God and sing that. And there's actually, there's nothing holding us back. It's 100% pure worship with zero brokenness. And we won't, um, we won't see that until, until um, Christ brings us before the holy throne, before the holy Lamb of God. And um, if, if Jess and Malin are listening this morning, I got a beautiful picture of just the um, possibly a piece of healing or a part of the, the rest of the story that's still to come for them. And that is, I think when they get to heaven, um, they step across the river through the golden gates, they're blinded by the, the brightness. Everyone who's gone to heaven and come back, like all the stories you hear, every one of them says it was so, so bright. They step into that brightness, and there's going to be um, a child running up to them. And that's the part of the story that is it's on pause. But then it'll be, um, it'll be brought to completion. Once they get to heaven. A while back, Macari said he went to he had a dream about heaven. And I was like, Okay, cool. You know, you can dream about heaven. Um and I don't think he was making up a story. He didn't I don't think he needed attention at that moment. So we just casually said, Well, like, what'd you see? Um and just kept asking leading questions, not questions to set up that he could say yes or no but it's like so you know what'd you see and one of the things was he's like it was so bright like it was really bright and and beautiful so I was like well I mean that that lines up with I don't think we told him that's what heaven's like but um that's that's uh something that was a gift to us so thank you for taking time to uh just spend a little time with the Lord I'd like us now to uh, wake up and see if this mic is hot. Uh, out of respect for God's word and the holiness of it, let's stand. And I have three people who were um, volun volun chosen to read some scriptures. And I don't even know what those are, but you have your papers. So, David. My good, Keith. Ephesians 4, 17 to 32. Now, I, now this I say and testify in the Lord, 
that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of the heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and you were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which be belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to be put on and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members we are members one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may, g- may give grace to those who hear. And do, not grie- and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Colossians 3, 1 to 17. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of the world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave, or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults, and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, Clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ ruin your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. 
teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you say, or whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Philippians 3, 17, 4 through 8, or 4 to 8. Brethren, join in following my example, and note those who so walk as you have for us a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from who which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved and long-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Euodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Amen and amen. Thank you for reading those. You can have a seat. Uh, I don't have much more to say, but I'll I'll try. Uh, please, if there's any, if there's any uh, words of condemnation from the scripture, I know there's a lot of stuff in there, and. Satan uses anything and everything, the anythings and the everythings of life to come against us, even scripture. Um, that's what he tempted Jesus with. He tried to twist it. But the verses that we read, there's so much stuff in there of, of the mind and what your heart's supposed to look like. But don't, don't let any of it be condemning. God does not condemn. He judges. He's a righteous judge. He judges in all holiness and all rightness. But if you hear those little voices of condemnation saying, oh, well, you can't be this or you can't do this or you know this is right, but you're stuck in this certain area of life that you can't shake. That's still part of the old man. Um, don't let that run in your minds. Tell it to go away. And it has to. Some strange reason I read <coughs> Jeremiah 24 this week. And it's about the good figs and the bad figs. I'm just going to read a little bit of it and then kind of let that set the precedent for what I have for us today. Jeremiah 24, 
after Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had, led in, had taken into exile from Jerusalem, Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, together with officials of Judah, the craftsmen, the metal workers, had brought them to Babylon. The Lord showed me, this was Jeremiah, this vision. Behold, two baskets of figs were placed before the temple of the Lord. One basket had very good figs, like first ripe figs, but the other basket had very bad figs, so that they could not be eaten. The Lord said to me, what do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, figs, the good figs, very good, and the bad figs, very bad, so bad they cannot be eaten. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so I will regard as good the exiles from Judah. These are the Jews, whom I have sent away from this place to the land of the Chaldeans. I will set my eyes on them for good, and I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up <clears throat> and not tear them down. I will plant them and will not pluck them up. I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. But thus says the Lord, the bad figs are so bad they cannot be eaten, so will I treat Zedekiah, the king of Judah, his officials, the remnant of Jerusalem who remain in this land, and those who dwell in the land of Egypt. I will make them a horror to all the kings, kingdoms of the earth, they, to be a reproach, a byword, a taunt, a curse in all the places where I shall drive them. And I will send sword, famine, pestilence on them. They shall be utterly destroyed from the land that I gave to them and their fathers. So we have two baskets of figs and... Um, the important thing to know is they are both the Jewish people. They were both groups of uh, factions of the Jews that they were, the, they were one family, right? They came from Jacob. And so I'd like us this morning to to, to turn to the Lord and allow him to develop us into very good figs. The very bad figs there's, there's a lot of baskets of really smelly figs in the Christian world today. And hopefully we can be able to um, be a church that is a basket that has a fig that has a good shell and is good through and through. I'm always disappointed when I bite into an apple. The, the shell is it's all shiny and it's nice, it's red, it's ripe. But then there's this rot that came from the inside to the out, and it's it's hidden by the nice red skin on the apple. But it's rotten through and through. So that's what uh, Dale spoke about last week, as far as addictions. That's how we feel. That's kind of what um, what happens in the Christian life. One thing I want to point out is that it's really it's really really a conundrum for people in the church who are trying with all their there's you can. With all your heart, be trying to follow the Lord, do the right thing, love your family, love, be respectful to your parents, love your children, love your wife, um, be honest at work. And you're striving for all that, but there's this one trap you still fall into, and that's, that's where addictions come in. And, and I'm here to say that, that there, is, there is hope, there is... Um, there's more than hope. There's, there's the ability to get out of it through Christ. And, and it's all around us. This world is, and inside the church, 
there's, there's more opportunities than ever to isolate and continue uh, strengthening the noose of addiction. And I think it's time that the church kind of, I don't know, gets back to the basics um, and, and just really seeks to build each other up, understand each other, have patience, bear each other's burdens. Just, just do what the New Testament calls us to do. Um, so I, I would encourage you to do one of two things. If you're at a healthy spot, find someone that needs help. Um, I know from my life, there's, there's men who didn't give up on me. I don't know why. I don't know why. But they, they'd keep checking in. And if you are stuck, find, seek help. Find someone. Or if you know of someone that's stuck in any kind of addiction, it can be whatever. Um, an addiction is basically, it's a form of idolatry, and it's, it's where you, it's your happy place. They say go to your happy place. I mean, outside of Christ, that can be a really scary place. But an idol, if you want to check yourself for idols, I shared this with my ninth graders on our discussion on Thursday night. I said if, if you're like, well, I don't have a little golden statue that I go and bow before every day that's that's the old testament idols but your idol is anything that you go to when you're depressed when you're angry when you're scared when you're lonely when you're uh full of turmoil inside because of relationships that just for 25 years haven't been right and every time you're with this person stuff gets stirred back up so check yourself for idols and and then you have to actually in your brain you have to have a different default um if you feel yourself going down a bad path you have to veer off on the healing path, but you have to redo that in your brain. Children ages 0 to 2 are like in overdrive of building neuropathways, and then it kind of slacks off a little bit. Um, I was trying to think of a, an instance for a child that's walking. A toddler crawls, and then they walk. It would be like us as adults um, learning to walk on your hands, like Physically, you, you could maybe eventually do that. But, like, how long would it take? It's this huge step. Or uh, you can't physically fly. But I could learn to just hop around on one foot, and that's your life. So it's like my brain would recalibrate and calculate. My left leg would become extremely stronger, and I could probably do it. But that, that's what's going on in a zero- to two-year-old's brain. They're building these neuropathways. And then it happens again. You ready for this, fathers? Happens right here. Teenagers, when you're like 12, 13, 14, that's when you're, you're building stuff in your brain. And um, I know a lot of us have interacted with people that are at various stages of being able to work well, stick with it, you know. Um, it, it's almost at the point where by, by the time you're 13 or 14, there's stuff established that it's going to take five, six years to undo. Like, if you learn to work when you're young, it's going to stick with you. Try to teach a 20-year-old to work. If they just don't have the ethic, how do you... Maybe maybe Musk is working on that. You can download it, but I don't know. It just... Um, it's tough. So, keep that in mind, too, for parents. And 
I need to keep that in mind also. So it's two times when your brain really goes into overdrive on making thought patterns that are stuck. Ephesians 4. If you care to turn to Ephesians 4. And as an adult, in essence, an old dog learning new tricks, we have a hope. We have Paul who... Never said the word addiction, but uh, Romans 7 is the perfect illustration of what an addiction is. And I believe Paul is speaking from his heart when he said, you know, I'm just have this tremendous amount of turmoil. I'm doing what I don't want to do. And what I want to do, I'm not being able to. But the progression of Romans then, um, you get into the end of Romans and there's beautiful picture of a changed heart so let's look at Ephesians 4 17 we're just going to go through this I'm going to share a few thoughts no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds so here it's Paul right away is going to your your mind your brain what you're doing um it is 12 bells can I have till 12 15 if you need to leave I won't be offended but I'm going to buzz through some of this. Futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. There's something that um, about understanding that they, they don't get it, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in their hearts. I would encourage us to continue to grow in knowledge and understanding. Um, wisdom comes from the Lord, but we, we do have to grow up <laughs> at some point and say, all right, I know this now, so I'm responsible. Every level of knowledge comes with responsibility. It's just like, um, what is it, the Shema, Seth, is that what you were talking about? It's, you need to listen and do. It's one and the same. That, that was not differentiated in the, the word Shema when it was used to, was it the word listen? Listen, thank you. So, um, I'd encourage you to continue on your own seeking out just understanding what's it mean um, things you read in scripture and and continue to grow in knowledge of knowledge of good things so the unrighteous have become callous in verse 19 they've given themselves up to sensuality greed every kind of impurity but that's not the way you learn Christ we are to put off the old self which belongs to our former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So, there's Overcoming addictions is twofold. It's first thinking differently about the way you're doing things. And it's also part, it, it's accompanied with behavior modifications. Um, obviously, if someone has went through rehab for alcoholism, he's come back. Don't give him a job being a bartender, okay? Um, there's certain behavior modifications. You just can't go there again. Someone who's been rescued out of, out of uh, human trafficking, give them a home. Don't let them go back on the street. Make sure someone's with them. 
make sure someone is taking care of them. And um, there's a huge demand for human trafficking, and there's a huge demand for rescue from human trafficking. If you want to start a house, don't you don't have to go far to find people that need a good house to live in. Um, getting off the streets, getting out of terrible lives. So I want to speak a little bit about the the old man, the new man. This translation says old self and new self. And I know a little bit about the, the shadow self. Um, I don't think we need the shadow self. <laughs> we have the old man. We have the new man. We have the old self, the old and the old self and the new self. Whatever the shadow self means, it, it, maybe it's just a part of me. Oh, it's my shadow self. It's what I do when I when I don't really want to do it. Um, it it's it's just a new word for something. I don't know what it is. I I know enough about it that I don't I don't think we need it. I'm not gonna yell at you if I hear you talking to your friend about oh my shadow self is doing this and that and but we don't need to make things more complicated that are pretty clear and we need to recognize that the the flesh we have is going to seek pleasure you know that's some good crackers there maybe I don't know how old they are but but you automatically go to pleasure you automatically do what feels good and especially when you're not feeling good, you can you run to anything and everything. And soon your brain says, all right, feeling bad. Over here is something I chose to feel good. And after a while, you need to do more and more things to feel good. So you eat one bowl of ice cream. And then, wow, today was rough. I need two. Okay, Don't eat ice cream to get happy. Eat ice cream because you're happy. All right? I'm not picking on anyone, but I, I want to make this practical. We had a fire, fire ring conversation about ice cream. So maybe it's just thinking differently about why am I eating this ice cream or different about um, maybe I could do something else that brings life. Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Just... Things that are a process of renewing your mind and understanding what's it mean to live in righteousness and holiness. Now, no one wants to be a holy roller and a Bible thumper um, because like those people are just not cool. But you can still um, there's still something about pursuing that. And there's it's what, it's what God has called us to. If you want to call this person, if you want to call me a holy roller or whoever is, is just always in the spirit, you can. But there's many verses that say continue being with Christ, talking to Christ, and um, but don't check out from the real world that we're living in. What else do we want to highlight in these verses? Do not give opportunity to the devil. The, the devil came to Jesus and he used scripture. He came right at him. First he said, uh, you're probably hungry, you need to eat something. But Jesus stuck with what was true. He stuck with what was true in the scriptures. 
and he he thwarted Satan at every attempt. And after that, the Bible says that Satan left Jesus to come back, or he left Jesus for a more opportune time. And there's opportune times that we can realize as a, as a weakness in our life. Like, we're weaker now, and so Satan is going to see that. Satan knows. He has his minions everywhere. And if we can catch ourselves as we're heading down a path, say, I had a long day. Um, I'm, I feel weaker. I forgot to read my uh, Bible this morning. I read my verse of the day because it popped up on my phone and I couldn't help but read it. But that was my scripture for the day. You know, that night might be a good idea to not watch Corner Gas or whatever show you watch. It might be a good night to, all right, phone, you're going to go over here and um, make sure that an hour before bed, my face is not glued to any type of screen, okay? Just know your weaknesses. Be smarter than Satan. He's not actually that smart. We just give him credit to for his, he's, he's wily, he's crafty, but he does the same thing. Um, and if we can figure out those patterns, figure out patterns, we're, we're people of habit, and Satan knows our habits, knows our patterns, whether they're good or bad. So don't give him opportunity. What I was going to say with that as well is, I just, I just thought of this for the first in my life, if you read the first time that Satan came to, to tempt people, he came to tempt Eve. And, you know, what went wrong there? Um, there's, there's various theories of what went wrong, but I think one of the first things that went wrong was that may, maybe she didn't know. I'm not sure. Maybe they talked to animals. I don't know. But, but she gave an opportunity. She paid attention to Satan. And the only attention we need to pay to him is say, you're tempting me right now in the name of Jesus, get out of here. And she gave him an opportunity, like she conversed with him. She gave him an audience. We don't need to give Satan an audience. We bring Christ in and Christ takes care of it. So don't, don't give yourself any open door. Don't give any place to Satan. I'm going to turn to Colossians 3, 1 to 17. Colossians 3, 1 through 17. What do we want to learn from this? Here again, we've got the holy rollers in verse 2. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are the earth, that are on the earth. Uh, what, what's that mean practically? Um, I think one of them is, is uh, Jesus said, you have the mind of Christ to think like God thinks. Um, to think about, all right, just, just simple things. Like um, one of, 
our eldest was not into this, but you know, he got over it. We came, we were coming back from somewhere and the moon was coming up. The sun was just going down and the big bright moon Friday night was coming up and we were, we were driving and there was a perfect spot to watch it. So it was just up like this far. So we pulled in Jehovah's Witness place in their parking lot and we watched the, you could actually watch the moon come up. So I don't know. That was cool. God made the moon. You can actually watch it come up. It was big and, and orange. And if you watch, you could almost watch it move. I mean, it's simple. It's not exciting to a lot of people. But it was neat just to stop from a busy day, sit in the car, and everyone watch the moon. If you're grumpy about watching the moon and think it's the dumbest thing in the whole wide world, that's on you. We're going to take, it took like three or four minutes. And it was a great time to say, wow, God, the moon is still coming up. It's nice and orange. We can watch it. And we're just grateful for this moment. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed. It's a continual term being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Put on then in verse 12. So very, very important in, in life. A lot of people who write books about seven steps to being the most awesomest person in the whole wide world um, seven steps to being a good leader. Those are good. I think almost all of them would say that, that you have to develop a good habit or to get rid of a bad habit, you have to make a new one. And so you have to replace your, in your mind, in your life, the space that whatever, whatever space was dedicated to a, the detrimental part of my life or an addiction or something we're stuck in. You have to replace it with something better. So to put on, we have a whole list here. We have a, a laundry list of good things to do that we can practice. Putting on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint, complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. So I want to bring this to a close we didn't get to the last part the the last section let me see what Philippians 3 says because I want to delve into a little bit about or a little bit of what's it like for a church to be of one mind what's a church supposed to do as a body collectively in the area of helping each other, understanding to, to think on the things of Christ.
Philippians, I'm going to end with Philippians 2. Passage we did not read, but I'll read it. Philippians 2, 1 to 5. Yes, this is good. So as a church, what can we do to strengthen each other's minds, to encourage each other in thinking rightly about the world, about our situations in life? And how can a church actually be in unity? There's a big difference in unity and uniformity. Uniformity is the basket of apples that's all shiny and red on the outside, and the inside may or may not. Inside may be brown, or it may be beautifully pearly, appley inside the other one. Okay, so that's uniformity is where the shell all looks the same unity is is comes from the heart comes from the mind and something Christ calls us to Philippians 2 verses 1 through 5 so if there is any encouragement in Christ any comfort from love any participation in the spirit any affection and sympathy Paul says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Count the janitor more significant than the CEO, right? Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Quickest way to make a friend, you might not give any care in the world about um, clamming or about gathering muscles. But if there's a dude beside you that just looks like he needs someone to talk to and he lives he sleeps with a clam rake beside his bed, that kind of guy. Talk to him about it. Learn something about it. Verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So, uh, having the mind of Christ is, as a group, as a body of believers, is what's going to bring you together. If you're um, looking at the world the way Jesus looked at the world, and you're all doing that collectively, you don't have to have um, these meetings for, we're going to have week-long meetings, three hours a night, for how to be unified. You can. You can do that. But um, individually, we can learn to think like Christ. And then automatically, we will be unified in that. I'm stealing your afternoon. I went four minutes over. My apologies. Um, I think just to, to wrap this up, um, I want to offer extend an offer of um, if you know someone that needs help or if you want help or if 
you know of someone that needs help and they don't know it, um, reach out. There's, there's people around. And if you are yourself in a good spot, if you're healthy, um, don't just spend your knowledge and your time and your efforts on yourself. There's so, so many people who need help and, and who are desperate. Um, I believe that most of the, the school atrocities since 99, Columbine, and moving forward, I've often thought of this. I think if one teacher, it's always the outsider, it's always the kid um, with the black hoodie who's in the corner and no one pays attention to them. But if they, I'm convinced that if they had one teacher in that school, just one, that would have said, hey, how you doing today? Oh, cool, you're drawing anime, okay. Um, what's this guy? Just, just someone to pay attention to them. I think a lot of things could have could have been stopped. Um, a lot of atrocities, mass shootings, what have you. Just if one person would pour into that person's life. And so I encourage you to be, as the church, more than ever. Uh, we need to be we need to be the hospital to the world, hospital to ourselves. There's a lot I didn't get into in what's it mean to bear each other's burdens. What does it mean to um, to ask for help and actually have someone come aside long, come alongside you and say, I'm going to be with you through thick and thin. So let's be a church that helps each other, helps others, and prefers others' interests above ourselves. If you want to figure out how to do that, start in Acts, read through the New Testament, chock full of, that's, that's how the church started. And we do have a great cloud of witnesses that have gone on before us. Uh, they're in heaven. Um, I think they're, they're rooting for us. You know, David sees millions of Christian men stuck where he was. Like he had everything. He was the king of the world at that time. And yet, I think something from his childhood, he still had certain lives, lies he was living out of. And... Uh, the twistedness of he was he was smart because he came up with a good scheme right to cover his sin with Bathsheba um, minds do that they cover their tracks but he's rooting for us um, the early church is rooting for us all the ones that were dead all the ones that have given their lives they're rooting for us they're in heaven and um, it's in the same power I forget what that verse is, but it was really, really neat to me. This, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is with us today. It's, it's connected to the same battery cell, the same powerful solar panels, if you will. It's that same power that Christ brings us to himself. So let's pray. Father, we, um, we, we learned a lot today. If anything, we learn that there is a lot of, there's a lot of ways that we can come to you um, through scripture, through Paul's writings. There's a lot of ways a church can work together, and there's a lot of things that we can learn in, in our lives. Help us to be aware. Help us to be awake and to understand that, wow, this thing in my life, I like it makes me feel happy it feels good 
But I think I can do without it, and I can replace it with something of Christ. I can replace it with something more meaningful and help us to be willing to get rid of those things, and we might be surprised that we actually can do without it. And the other thing we've put into our lives is more fulfilling. Lord, um, everything is more fulfilling with you, um, aside from things that are, are blatantly wrong or sinful. But Lord, our, our daily lives can be fulfilled in you. Help us to understand what it means to be in Christ and that Christ is in us. Lord, we need your help. We need your guidance. So we, we call on our Father God today to help us this week to um, not let our minds get lazy and just drift into um, vain patterns of thought, but to understand what the will of the Lord is for us this week and to walk in that in boldness and in humility. And it's through the name of Jesus Christ that we can do these things. Amen.